Well, hello, friends. We're back with your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode 605, and we are recording on January the 31st. Yes, it is the last day of the month, um, and it's, I don't know, it's all right. The sun is out today here in Toronto. It's blue skies and sunny and getting a bit colder, but at least I, I, the sunrise comes up a little bit earlier. The sun sets a little bit later. We're going in the right direction. How are you, Abriana? We are going in the right direction. I'm good. The sun is not shining here. I mean, it's shining, obviously, but there's no blue skies. Um, and so, yeah, we had a little snow this morning, but nothing, you know, I still would like to get like one good snow. I'd like to get a sled in, you know, before winter's over. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the spring coming in and the longer days. Those uh, very short days are, are tough, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're on the right side of it now. So anyhow. All right. Well, we have four stories for you this week, uh, a, a wide array of things that we're going to cover. And Abriana, as always, is going to kick us off with an interesting one. I am. For all of those of you who are, you know, on the dating scene, this might be interesting. I'm interested and I'm not even, I've never had a dating app in my life. That's pretty, I don't know if that's sad or good, but anyways, I digress. Netflix and Bumble have teamed up on a new digital out of home campaign promoting a question game that's within the Bumble app. Um, this just launched and this was done in-house between the two marketing teams, which is actually pretty cool. No agency involvement here, but this is called find the date you've been watching for. So clever. Uh, that's the name of the campaign. And it's really designed to help these daters strike up fun conversations um, and like with their matches over what they watch. What? Are they streaming on Netflix, right? Um, so I think this is really fun. Billboards just went yet up yesterday in New York and you know LA, Chicago, Miami, some other places. And this is running for US, Canada, and the UK. Um, and so the game basically requires that both players answer some questions about some of the most popular shows on Netflix like Emily in Paris, um, you know, Love is Blind, Squid Game, Stranger Things, some of those like really big ones, right? Um, and then every Monday, a star from some, some different shows like uh, Ashley Park from, you know, uh, Emily in Paris. I like Emily in Paris, so cheeky and fun. Anyways, they'll, they'll ask a question. And so then um, they have to answer these questions before and then they like reveal their responses. Um, so really fun. And this recent survey Bumble conducted, they had 72% of their respondents that have said, hey, we talk about, you know, television, movies, et cetera, on a date. So obviously this is a category that, you know, it opens up a lot of conversations. I feel like I have this conversation a lot. I think this is really fun. I think this is a very great campaign. I think it's a perfect combination for um, the two companies. And, you know, Netflix, we know is going the direction of ad supported television but before they're really there i love that they're still getting involved and having this type of a partnership with you know an app like bumble so i think as i am not uh on the dating market i would still totally love to play this game while you know watching netflix or you know whatever shows um i find time to stream so i think this is a great campaign i just started like my mind going on all the things that a company like Bumble could do in partnerships. I was like, what if they did something with a nonprofit where they sponsored something where people could meet up while they volunteer and like, they could just do a lot of really great things. So Bumble, write that one down. You can call me later for the details. Um, but I love this. What do you think? 
I, I completely agree. I absolutely love it. I think it's a brilliant partnership. Uh, I agree. I also, you know, not in the dating scene, but like, I, I think that, um, you know, the, uh, you know, I, I watch people, you know, interact, you know, on dates or, you know, even just people I, I friends that I hang out with or talk to, like, TV and what you're watching is, you know, one of the number one things that, that you, you discuss, right? Like, you know, just the other day, somebody, we were uh, out having um, a brunch and somebody was talking about this new show that they discovered. And uh, so, you know, what do I do? I go check it out, you know, like the next day, right? So it, it's definitely like, I think a topic that resonates, I think it's a, a partnership that makes complete sense. Uh, it's a great sort of icebreaker, you know, if you're on, you know, a first date or something like that to have this kind of discussion and, you know, find commonality in, uh, in what you're watching. So I, you know, I think it makes complete sense. I love it a lot. Um, and I'm with you too. I think there's a lot of, a lot more of these types of partnerships that Bumble could be doing. You know, you mentioned nonprofits. I'm thinking like, Hey, you know, go find a fellow thrifter or something, uh, yeah. you know, out there and, you know, set up a time to go to, you know, a thrift store or, you know, whatever, like things like that, you know, uh, you know, make complete sense to me. So, uh, it brings me back to, if you remember way, way back in the early days of the LVMA, we had this panel discussion with some of the um, CEOs of, of the dating apps at the time, OkCupid and Grinder and, and and a bunch of these uh, uh, platforms. And I remember one of the things that you know was discussed was a partnership between one of them and uh, American Eagle, uh, the retailer, uh, and they had set up these sort of like meetups uh that they would broadcast through the app and they would say okay like at six o'clock tonight you know we're all meeting at this you know this american eagle in the corner of wherever in new york and there's a dj and there's this and like so it's like you know driving traffic to the store um through you know through the app platform and uh and you know obviously it's a, a physical opportunity you know for you know meeting up with people or exploring potential partners so um I think there's a lot of these kinds of things that can happen, but love this partnership, love what Netflix is doing here. Yeah, you could probably also get some like red flags from what people are watching, you know, like, hey, you know, uh, this guy's streaming Dahmer, I may want to steer clear or hey, like, <laughs> she's really into like this chef show, maybe she can actually cook, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or she just likes to watch other people cook for her. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Um, okay, on to our second story. Um, so this one's uh, more about an acquisition in the mapping space. Uh, so a company called Strava, uh, which is a, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a kind of a social community platform. It's used by about 100 million people globally um, and, and kind of primarily in the outdoors uh, adventure kind of space. They've made an acquisition of a company called FatMap, which is um, a high-resolution resolu high 3D uh, mapping platform for the outdoors as well. So... Um, Strava has been around since 2009 um, and uh, has a kind of pretty active, I said, 100 million people, user base primarily around cycling or running, um, you know, planning routes and, and uh, you know, connecting with other fellow uh, athletes. Uh, so, so it's both a sort of a activity planning uh, and, and a community uh, platform all in one. Um, and so they've, um, they've been working, you know, uh, on kind of growing their base. They've raised a lot of capital uh, over the last number of years. 
Um, and FatMap is a company that's all about high resolution maps, uh, de very detailed maps of, you know, um, ski, ski resorts, which is where they started, um, you know, satellite imagery um, and so on. Uh, and so they, like, if you need like detailed maps of like rivers or river passes or huts or, you know, things in the middle of mountains and things like that, uh, like this is the kind of, you know, really high resolution detailed mapping you want. FatMap's got about 1.6 million uh, users um, and they kind of position themselves as the Google Maps of the great outdoors. Um, it's a subscription platform. Uh, they sell at $30 uh, per year. Uh, and so now Strava's like, hey, you know, we're trying to grow our base. We want to, you know, uh, kind of be all things to, you know, people who are looking to adventure and hike and run and, and you know, sort of be part of the out and out an outdoors lifestyle in, in that sense. Um, and so I think this is a good acquisition. Uh, Strava's raised $150 million since they started, uh, backed by Sequoia Capital and, and others. Uh, they've also done some other recent acquisitions of a company called Recover Analytics, which is in the in injury prevention uh, app space. Um, and uh, another company called ProKit, which they bought last year, uh, which is a, another athlete community. So there seem to be a consolidation play going on around, you know, different apps and different services in, in, in sort of the outdoor uh, and athletic space in and around that. And um, so I think this is good. I think it's smart. Uh, they say for now, they're keeping the two companies separate. Uh, FatMap is uh, based in the UK and has employees or in France, Germany and Lithuania, and they're keeping that team intact. Uh, but ultimately looking to, you know, over the next course of this year to integrate the, uh, you know, the, uh, the digital uh, tech stacks together uh, more closely. So I think it's good. I mean, um, this is not, I'm, I'm not a huge outdoor uh, active person. You know, I like to walk and, and uh, you know, play, play ball and things like that, but uh, I'm not a big hiker or anything uh, of that nature. Maybe I'll get into that more, but um, I think this is, you know, from a consolidation play and from a sort of collection of, of assets in the space. I think this is super smart by Strava. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think Strava has a good brand. And, um, you know, if there's one thing I know is that I certainly don't want to be lost when I'm like outside and camping and there's, you know, wildlife that <laughs> I may be fearful of uh, around. So I want to know like my way around uh, wherever you're going on a hike and, and kind of those paths. So I think this is a great, um, asset for them to have. And I think that they definitely have the user base to be able to demonstrate new applications of this technology. So I agree with you. I like that. Not a whole, whole lot more there. Yeah. Um, so let's switch it up over to a social and another app, and that is Pinterest. And as you think about what the future is with social, you know, um, and I would just say advertising in general, data clean rooms have been a hot topic and Pinterest um, has now partnered up with LiveRamp to pilot their data clean rooms for select advertising partners. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot, like I think we have a story every week that tends to focus on, okay, cookies are going away, you know, data clean rooms, data privacy, data infrastructure, how do we still continue to allow advertisers to reach these um, you know, high value audiences or their specific consumer segments um, at scale, but with privacy at the forefront. So 
um, you know, the data clean room offering is a great way to be able to do that where it's like, you know, company A and B and sometimes even C all bring their data together in a place that only, um, you know, what's matched and what is not PII is taken and activated on for advertising and, and digital. So, um, or passed back in terms of, you know, uh, I would say like analysis or insights and, and analytics. So, um, this is one that they are testing out with the retail uh, retailer media network, which is Albertsons company. Um, so Albertsons has their own media collective. And so that's all of their grocers yeah, network data, right? So you've got all your consumer data, their emails, what do they purchase, their behavior, and then they can kind of aggregate that and put that together and, and say through this live ramp data clean room and crosswalk. Um, in a privacy centric way, then they can use Pinterest to target them with recipes or uh, fit, you know, fun foods for the new year, whatever it may be. Um, so they can collaborate and drive that closed loop reporting that brands are asking for. Um, so this is kind of just the start of, of this. So they're, they're starting with a, they did like a winter healthy eating campaign. They're measuring off of return on ad spend right now. And then in the future, they're looking at other things that they could do like incrementality, multi-touch attribution, all the things that, you know, retailers and specifically the brands. Um, and I would say like the, the SKUs from a CPG brand that's selling within an Albertsons wants to know. So they want to know, hey, I'm Pepsi. How well is my my product doing in Albertsons in these areas? And so um, there's like a lot to this story, but I think this is like really the direction that I see a lot of companies going, you know, whether that's in the CTV industry, um, just like traditional digital advertising with online video or display, digital out of home, even to an extent, um, you know, and obviously social, like this is the way of the future. So how can we still reach the right, you know, consumer groups and, and get in front of those, but, but maintain like that, that privacy centricity for consumers like us. So um, nothing really like mind blowing here. I think this is the way of the future, but they're going to look to expand to additional partners for data clean rooms like most are. I was actually surprised that they chose live ramp out the gate. You know, I think that they have been pushing that for a while um, and a lot of companies already work with them. So that's like a natural progression, but you know, some of the other clean rooms like Snowflake and um, InfoSum, you know, are still, and even Habu are starting to gain some traction as well. So I think most of the platforms like Pinterest are going to be partnering with multiple clean rooms, depending on where their clients go. So. Yeah, not a lot to add to that. I think you've covered it uh, amazingly well, but it, I think just pick up on your last point. I think that a lot of these platforms like Pinterest are going to be looking at uh, creating you know, numerous of these types of partnerships. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see Albertsons is kind of taking a step forward with their media collective and uh, you know joining in with this and and creating a mechanism you know for those CPG brands to be able to you know gain insights and, and analytics from what's going on uh, you know on on purchase patterns and behavior within the Albertson stores here. But I think this is this is something that you're going to see you know lots of retailers do. And I think the other side of this story is. Uh, that's not talked about as much here, but it is the, you know, what we've, what we've covered a lot with Walgreens and CBS and others, you know, around creating, you know, their own internal media networks um, and kind of monetizing, you know, the, the data in that way or creating their own ad networks in store, if you will. Um, 
so I think you know when you have clean rooms and you have data like that they're trying to put together here, whether it's powered by LiveRamp, which you know I, I think is great. I think you know LiveRamp's been looking to to push this along uh, for some time now, and so I think this is a good partnership for them. Um, but I think you know there's this combination of kind of where's the data sitting and in a privacy compliant framework. And then on the other side, you know, the monetization pieces, you know, in terms of their own uh, media networks um, that, you know, that this can power and open up and, and create new opportunities. So uh, I like it for that reason. There you go. Okay. Uh, under our final story. So a company that we've talked about, not recently, but uh, some probably, Good year or two now uh, called Cooler Screens uh, is uh, back at it again. And so at NRF, they made some announcements that uh, they're expanding sort of their footprint and their offerings. Um, so if you're not familiar with Cooler Screens, so these are, you see them uh, in a lot of sort of um, refrigerator uh, aisles uh, in, you know, convenience stores and things like that. And so the thing is, you know, think you walk into a convenience store and you got like the cold drink section and then you've got like the, you know, the glass there and you can see what's behind it. Well, cooler screens is a technology that's been around for a while now where they're able to, you know, still with the glass, but transparently you can see through, but it also can then project um, advertising uh, uh, in a, you know, real time programmatic way on onto a, essentially a screen that is, you know, in a transparent glass. Um, so, you know, they've had a lot of success with that. They've been growing that uh, Kroger, Walgreens, Circle K, um, uh, and then working with some of the brands themselves like Anheuser-Busch and Imbev, um, uh, Kraft, Heinz, and others. And so what they're, they've announced now is a new platform called One Store, One Platform. Uh, and they're taking this beyond just the refrigerator aisle into, uh, you know, uh, lane coolers, uh, pharmacy screens, end cap displays, uh, and other in-store touch points. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I think it's a natural progression for a company like them to look, hey, where else can we have these screens in, in a store? How else can we, you know, kind of bring the, uh, you know, sort of the opportunity to engage one-on-one -on -one with a consumer, you know, and have more personalized customer experience. Um, so I think this is great. I think this is a, a good progression for cooler screens. And, um, you know, I think they've, they've got some great retailers and great CPGs that they already work with. And I think this is an opportunity for them to expand beyond, you know, let's say things that, you know, they historically are, are dealing with in, in the refrigerator aisle to, you know, having screened out in the store that maybe they can draw, you know, brands like Mondelez, you know, selling chocolate bars or other things. Um, you know, that, um, you know, aren't, you know, tied to, uh, you know, to a refrigerator. Um, so not a lot to add to it. I, I just think it's a, it's a good expansion of, you know, uh, a really successful company and platform. Yeah, I think this is super smart as well. And I can see that, you know, I feel like the future of cooler screens is going to be an interesting one to watch in the digital out of home space, because, there's not a lot of competitors that are really in that same world. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, the idea of having like something so micro compared to the digital billboard is, is really smart and amazing. 
um, because there's probably a lot of opportunity to change that throughout the day and throughout who's coming in the store and throughout that clientele that changes a little bit more than you might get with a, a larger billboard. So you might have a little bit more niche and focus. So I think this is really one to watch and I could see, um, you know, a larger out of home company scooping them up or taking them in or trying to bundle this or, or utilize their services in a partnership as well. Yeah. So there you go. That's our show for this week. You've been listening and watching episode number 605 of Location Weekly. We, as always, thank you for your time. Please reach out if you have story ideas uh, or feedback for us. We'd love to uh, include that. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.